As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Thursday the 19th of October, I'm Tim Spears and today we're asking Could Newcastle's £55 million signing be suspended from football? This slightly puts them in trouble in terms of financial fair play which they're already close to. Will Manchester United vote on selling part of the club today? This board meeting was going to be the most monumental in United's history and so on and so forth. And are Liverpool ready for a Merseyside derby? Liverpool have had a lot of players out on international duty, but they haven't really had much time to, um, to get much rest. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. Newcastle United midfielder Sandro Tonali could face a lengthy ban from football in relation to an investigation around illegal betting. The Athletic has been told that Tonali is likely to plead guilty to the allegations amid reports in the Italian media that Tonali has admitted to betting on games involving his former club AC Milan. There's an in-depth explainer on The Athletic today including the possible implications for the player and the club. Newcastle writer Jacob Whitehead helped put that together and he joins us now. What are the latest developments with this story, Jacob? It's amazing how quickly this is progressing. We're kind of used to this going on over weeks and months, maybe the precedent being the Tony situation. It is all going a lot quicker in Italy. Uh, The main piece of news recently, uh, which at least kind of serves as precedent for Tonali's case, is Nicolo Fagioli, who was the first player caught up in this investigation. He actually turned himself into authorities and he's been given a seven-month ban. There's a further five months of community service He bet on football, not on his own team. And so that kind of acts as a bit of a benchmark for potential future punishments we might see. So Tonali, on Monday he was in Newcastle training, but then jetted off to Turin. His agent also spoke publicly, saying that Tonali had a gambling-related illness. And when Tonali was in Turin, uh, he was speaking to public prosecutors about the case. So it's been widely reported there that Tonali is going to be seeking a plea bargain over these accusations of using legal betting platforms to bet on football matches. We don't yet have any confirmation about whether that's affecting his own matches and his representatives have not yet responded for comment. So Fagioli gets a seven-month ban. When we look at what Tonali's accused of doing compared to what Fagioli's done, you know, how do we look at that and think of what are the possible sort of punishments here? 
Yeah, it's a good question because Fagioli almost has every piece of mitigation you can think of. He um, put himself forward for authorities. He's worked with them and spoken about the case. He has also sort of said that he's got a gambling problem. And it's kind of reflecting his punishment where there's also sort of therapy as part of that. When you kind of compare that to Tonali and Fagioli's affidavit, which we've seen, uh, it describes Tonali or accuses Tonali of introducing him to certain sites, which you can't imagine would help Tonali's case. And there's also the possibility that Tonali's could be more serious, the extent of the bets, the amount of money put on the bets, whether or not they affect his own team. What the kind of basic punishment is, it, it's Article 24 of the Sporting Code, is that this sort of betting, the standard ban is three years. Now, normally that is always mitigated down. So if the kind of reports in Italy are true and kind of based on our own knowledge, it would be a surprise. You know, you expect it to be at least more than Fagioli's and that is what Newcastle are understood to be preparing themselves for. I mean, this is huge and potentially devastating news, obviously for the player himself, but Newcastle, you know, 55 million behind sign-in, five-year contracts, you know, what's what's the sort of, I guess, the club point of view from this? And, you know, what, what about his Newcastle future short-term, as in playing this weekend maybe, and also medium and long-term? It's crazy thinking about it because Newcastle, for all of their money and for how well we did last year, basically made one signing to immediately improve the starting eleven over the summer, and that was Tonali. You know, he's such a new arrival. He's played about 10 games. He's just sort of finding his feet. He's only 23. There's four and a half years remaining. So kind of when you think about that, he will, theoretically, if he gets given a long ban, be able to return with time left in his contract. And it wouldn't make any sense for Newcastle to potentially seek to get rid of him. And both from a sporting point of view, but also to protect the value of their assets. I mean, this slightly puts them in trouble in terms of financial fair play, which they're already close to. Now, it's not going to mean that they break any laws, but because they're already on the edge, pushing it, especially with the late arrivals of players like Liveramento and Lewis Hall, it means they don't have a wriggle room to go and sign a replacement for Tonali, who himself was meant to solve lots of the kind of... uh, not problems in this midfield but unlock the potential for midfield and you can hear the latest news from Newcastle in our dedicated podcast Pod on the Time Board of Manchester United will hold their latest meeting today but will Ineos and Jim Ratcliffe's bid for 25% of the club be on the agenda? That's the question on the lips of United fans as they await news of the Glazers possibly relinquishing control of part of the club. Here to discuss the latest is our Manchester Football News reporter Dan Sheldon. What are we expecting today Dan? This board meeting had been in the diary for, for quite some time and you know naturally it got quite a lot more attention over the weekend and into this week because of the news emerging about, you know, Sheikh Yassim withdrawing his bid according to those close to that bid and Ratcliffe seemingly emerging for a 25% minority investment and all of a sudden everyone wanted this, you know, this board meeting was going to be the most monumental in United's history and so on and so forth. But I think that the story we had published on The Athletic on Wednesday morning sort of, you know, well, it suggested that, you know, don't actually expect anything too exciting from this board meeting. These deals that Ratcliffe's trying to negotiate take weeks and the noises kind of coming out of Old Old Trafford are that there won't be a vote because it's just not at the stage where the board need to vote on this deal yet. So yeah, lots of kind of hype around this board meeting, but perhaps it, it won't deliver in the way that many think it will or hope it will. It's a pretty complicated situation. So as you suggest, this could still be sort of some weeks away before we really move on another stage. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, this is a, a complex deal that needs to be negotiated. Of course, these conversations between Ineos, you know, led by Sergio Ratcliffe and, and United have been ongoing for, for quite some time. You know, it was nearly a year ago since United announced their strategic review, uh, you know, with the possibility of selling the club or kind of letting go of a, a minority stake. So, so Ratcliffe's been trying different ways to, to make that happen. You know, is he going to turn that 25% into 100% down the line. Again, that's something that will have to be negotiated. So, you know, the suggestions we're getting are that it, it's still not quite close yet in terms of all of that being ironed out, but, and that that could be, you know, several weeks away or it, it could be sooner. It's one of them, you know, this process has shown that truly the only people that, that know are the Glazers, right? And what we're hearing is that it, it could still be some weeks away. Right, so obviously everyone got very excited last weekend when news started to break, but you'd advise patience from what's likely to be an impatient fan base, basically. I would encourage patience personally. You know, as I said, you know, just reflective of the conversations I've been having, the message I'm getting is this this isn't going to happen overnight. You know, clearly there is a framework there that they're now working towards and have been working towards for quite some time. But, you know, I can only say you, you never really know in this process, you know, who knows tomorrow they might announce it and, you know, we'll all look silly. Obviously, we all talk about the Glazers selling, you know, their club here. But the, there are other shareholders, you know, at play. Will they will they have a say in any of this? Well, because of the the, the, the makeup of the shares of Man United, you know, they're, they're split into Class A and Class B. Class A are the ones that are traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Class B belong to the Glazers, and those shares are worth ten times the voting power of the Class A shares. So, you know, in reality, no, there's not there's not a lot that can be done if you're you know, a minority shareholder, because ultimately your, your shares don't count for anywhere near as much as the Glazers. However, and as we've seen and has, as we've reported on The Athletic, you know, the other shareholders didn't like the makeup of the initial deal that was kind of discussed at board level between the Glazers and Ineos, and they pushed back and threatened legal action on that. So, so legal action is really the, the biggest threat they can pose. And there was bad news for Manchester United women last night as they crashed out of the Women's Champions League in the second qualifying round. Baltimore. Oh, it's in! That is extraordinary! Sandy Baltimore for Paris Saint-Germain. Losing 3-1 away at PSG on the night and 4-2 on aggregate. Last season's runners-up Wolfsburg suffered a shock loss to Paris FC, conquerors of Arsenal, as they reached the group stage for the first time. And elsewhere, Jenny Hermoso has been named in the Spain squad for the first time since the Women's World Cup. They face Italy and Switzerland in the Nations League later this month. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. We're coming to the end of the men's international break and that means the Premier League returns this weekend. If you're a Liverpool fan, you won't be surprised to hear that also means you're playing in the early game on Saturday lunchtime. Since the 2016-17 season, Liverpool have played the early post-international break game 13 times, way more than any other team. And this weekend, it's the big Merseyside derby against Everton. Here to preview that is our Liverpool writer, Greg Evans. Another 12.30pm kickoff for Liverpool then, Greg. This isn't just a thing that Klopp unnecessarily moans about then, because they seem to play them quite a lot. Klopp was asked about it last month before the win over Wolves, which again was a 12.30pm kickoff. And and look, Liverpool kind of answered a few questions in that game because they hadn't won for six previous uh, games at that time slot. But Klopp said, look, you know, he didn't want to be seen as becoming an extensive moaner by sort of going over old ground. But it is frustrating and, and look, it is disruptive for teams because that are playing at that time, especially if you've got players that are coming back from Asia or from South America and, you know, which is more personal. In, in Liverpool's case because Nunes, Diaz, 
McAllister all played early on Wednesday morning and will be getting back to Liverpool sort of on Friday so they've got less than 24 hours to prepare for a game so you can understand from a coaching and manager's perspective why it's frustrating. You mentioned a couple of players there. How have they generally got on during this week? Any fitness or injury worries or how are they all shaping up? Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag for Liverpool, really. There was a, a you know, the real disappointment of Andy Robertson sustaining a shoulder injury for uh, Scotland against Spain. So we're still waiting to find out how long he's going to be out. But that's disruptive again. Costas Simicas will inevitably come in at left back. Liverpool have had a lot of players out on international duty and have played a lot of minutes as well. You know, Canate played both games for France. Harvey Elliott played twice for England under-21s. So Bosley had a couple of big games for Hungary. And then obviously the, the South American lads and, and, and even with Taro Endo with Japan. So they haven't really had much time to um, to get much rest. And it's going to be important that the sports scientists uh, and Klopp and his team manage the loads effectively ahead of the Merseyside derby. Yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, Merseyside derby, big game. But also looking at Liverpool's form before the international break, they had that hugely unfortunate defeat at Spurs, the draw at Brighton. I guess with Man City's form being so poor by their standards, Liverpool know better than anyone, right? The need to be as close to perfection as possible in the title race. So it's a big game Saturday for three points, isn't it, as well as a local derby? It's certainly still a massive game locally. You know, you speak to anybody within Liverpool and, and the surrounding area and it's the one game they, you know, they still look forward to the most. Some people think that Man City is now the biggest game of the season. Uh, Man United inevitably always will be. There was obviously the, the rivalry with Chelsea. It's a big game. I don't feel like Liverpool have really lost any ground in the title race despite dropping four points in the last two games. Liverpool know that you know when they play against teams that are ranked towards the bottom end of the table, like Everton are now, um, they have to go and get those, those victories. Um, and I presume they will look to some of the players like Joe Gomez, like John Matip, like Ryan Gravenberch, um, like Jota to turn to because those are the guys with the fresh legs. And talking of football matches on TV, you'll soon be able to watch a lot more of them if you're in the UK. That's because the Premier League has announced it will increase the number of games on telly each season from 200 to 270. That's more than two-thirds of all Premier League matches every season. Every Sunday 2pm match will be televised under the new rights package, which will come in from the 2025-26 season. Right, that's all for today. Thanks for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you're new to the show, we'd love you to subscribe and come back for more. And feel free to leave us a review if you can. Michael Bailey will be with you tomorrow. Have a great day. The Athletic.